Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. And if you could welcome our lead pastor, Joe Source. Thank you, Pastor Matt. Thank you. Yeah, hallelujah. What a night. So far it's been good. Amen. It's only going to get better. Praise God. Just say this with me. Say this with me nice and out loud. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's what? He's working. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You guys better learn how to shout and better learn how to get excited. Better learn how to worship God. Better because what do you think we're going to be doing in heaven? You think you're going to be? You, you, most of you think you can make more than little clouds, like a little a little cherub with your butt hanging out, with a little harp there. Did he really say that? Yeah, he did. Right now. Even as, we're, as we're, we're in this room, even as you're sitting here right now, there are angels that only exist for one thing. Amen. And they are going around the throne and just declaring glory to God, holy, holy, holy just worshiping God continuously. They've been doing it for, for, for God knows how, only God knows how long. And that's all they do is just worship God and worship God. And what do you think we're going to do for the first couple of million years? She's going to stay because you're going to be so glad that we made it. <laughs> that we're just going to worship him and praise him and declare the awesome things that he did for us. And we're going to forget all about the hard times down here. People are going to say, what sickness? What disease? What poverty? What lack? What's a mortgage? <laughs> Amen? Amen. Now listen, this weekend, we're going to cover some very basic scriptures dealing with the very foundation of our relationship with God. There's too many people, even professing Christians, that walk through life never really being sure that if they were to take their last breath, that they would end up in heaven. And the enemy uses that. The enemy comes to torment people's minds. People, I'm talking about Christians. I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm talking about Christians. I'm not talking about people that never received Christ before. I'm talking about Christians. People that go to church. People that read the Bible. And the enemy will come and torment your mind. Are you really born again? Are you really saved? You know, you go to bed at night with that thought, you know, if I, if I was to die tonight, would I end up in heaven? Well, we're going to settle some things tonight. Amen? Amen. There's no need to live that way. There's no need to live with that fear of death. There's no need to live with that kind of torment constantly. I want us to, I want, really from my heart, what I want to share with you, I want this weekend to be a milestone in people's lives. I want this to be the weekend. Uh, for you that are here, I want this to be the night that you, that you talk about years from now and say, it was, that, it was that Saturday night service when Pastor was preaching. It was that Saturday night service that I received the security of knowing where I'm going to spend my eternity. Are you listening to me? 
So if you came here tonight for an ear-tickling message, if you came here tonight because you, I, I'm going to go to church because when I go to church, I feel good. Yeah. Honey, Christianity has got nothing to do with feelings. It has also to do with faith. Yeah. Amen? Amen? So let's be very intentional about following me in the scriptures. If you have a Bible, I, I hope you do. If you have your phone, put your, get your Bible app open. Uh, because the entire theme of the scriptures, the entire theme and the, the, the goal of the scriptures, the Bible, is redemption. Redemption that's leading to salvation, okay? Uh, now follow me, please. And listen to me. I charge you in the name of Jesus, those of you Christians that have been around for years and years and years, don't you dare say, oh, I know this and I know that and I know the other thing. What you should be saying is, Holy Spirit, give me fresh revelation tonight. Amen. Stir up my heart again in a fresh way to appreciate the salvation that the Lord has purchased for me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now listen, if you've been born again for many years and you, you, the scriptures I'm going to go through are going to be very familiar to you. But, but why don't you use tonight as an opportunity to stir yourself up in this area that you may meet somebody tonight when you leave this place. You might come in contact with someone tomorrow. You might meet someone on your job next week that is in desperate need of knowing who Jesus Christ is. And that you'll have the scriptures fresh in your heart to show them. Because, you know, faith comes by and hearing the word of God. Amen? Redemption. The English word redemption means to repurchase or to buy back. Biblically speaking, redemption is the buying back of mankind from the state of sin introduced by the fall of Adam and Eve. Their sin caused our separation from God and slavery to sin. Okay, let's talk about this for about 30 seconds. All right, I have a when I whenever I use that phrase that, that their sin, the fall of man, caused our separation from, from, from between us and God, I, I, I have to qualify that because it's only true on one side. Now, Adam and Eve became very aware of the separation that took place between them and God. It does not mean that God separated himself from them. Are you catching this? Why? Because we see interaction. Because I've heard preachers on television, your sin is separating you from God. When, when Adam turned, it separated him from God. Adam's consciousness became aware of his sin, and that consciousness and awareness caused him to separate from God. But God shows up on the scene just like he did every other day. So where's the separation? In fact, he takes the initiative to cover their shame. Amen. That's the kind of God we have. Amen. Are you listening? Yes. And later on, then he even carries it to the next generation because he speaks to Cain and warns Cain about not letting sin come back into his life again. Amen. So you understand what I'm saying? For God so loved the world that he's not going to allow that to stop him from reaching us. But it's our awareness of sin that caused it, it caused him to run and hide. It caused him to become aware of his nakedness. It caused him to become self-aware instead of God-conscious. And Jesus has come to try to get us back to that place of being more conscious of God than we are of ourselves. Uh, you, you didn't get it. You didn't get it because you didn't, you didn't get it because you're not responding. Are you, are you listening to what I said? Jesus came not to point out our sin, but to point out this God who is so loving 
so that we would become more aware of God than we are of ourselves. Adam and Eve spent the beginning of, of their time being created in such a way where they were so aware of God and his glory and his presence, they weren't even aware of the fact that they were naked. That's the point of redemption, to get us back to that place. We're more, we're more aware of him. And even when we do mess up, it's we spend more time than beating ourselves up. What do you do? And you're still spending time looking at you. But we're told to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You listening? Okay. So Jesus comes to earth in order to give his life as a ransom to purchase us back from the kingdom of Satan. And by redeeming us, Jesus opened the door to salvation for all who believe in him. Question, what is salvation? What is the Christian teaching of salvation or doctrine of salvation? What does it mean to be saved? We throw these terms around. And sometimes we're not aware of the people around us that they have no clue what we're talking about. Yeah, you know, this was never so alive to me as, as, as an incident that took place, oh gosh, probably five, six years ago. Someone invited me to come to a, uh, a recovery meeting real early in the morning, like six o'clock in the morning or something like that. Something. And you gotta want recovery to get up that early, dude. And so, so I, I promised I would go, and I did, got up real early, got dressed, and then, you know, raining like crazy. Okay, get to the place, and go in this room, pretty good amount of people there, probably 40, 50 people there. And then I started to listen. To, it was just an object lesson. I'm not bashing anybody. It was an object lesson. All of a sudden, the people in charge start talking and using phraseology that I'm not aware of. And all of a sudden, I went, oh, man, this is what a person feels like when they come to church. And we t- throw these terms around like born again and saved and, and sanctified and covered with the blood. And what is this, like a, a Hannibal Lecter movie? Like <laughs> covered with the blood. What is that? And I, and I realized they know what they're talking about. But I don't have a clue. And so we need to be aware of these things. Why? Because our heart should be to make sure that everyone we come in contact with receives the information that they need so that they can come to the conclusion in their heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that the Bible is true, that he did die on the cross for us, he did pay for our sins, God did raise him from the dead, and that once we declare with our mouth what we believe in our heart about the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what? We receive salvation. Amen? So the answer, salvation is deliverance from danger or suffering. You see, that's why our language is so limited. Our language is so limited. What do I have this up here if I don't have a bottle of water? <laughs> no, is that the open one? No, you know, you know, give me the open one. I don't like to waste water. Come on, I got a word to preach here. <laughs> now, the word that's used in the New Testament in Greek for salvation is the word sozo comes from the word soteria. That means salvation. We, see, when we say salvation, we think, okay, I'm not going to hell. But when the Greek person or the person in that time read the letters from Paul or heard that word, they understood that it meant salvation, spirit, soul, and body, which ties into what Isaiah 53 says about Jesus, that surely he bore upon himself, I'm paraphrasing, 
all of our sickness, all of our disease, all of our pains, all of our sorrows. And then it goes on to say, and by his stripes, we are healed. Sozo, saved, healed, spirit, soul, body, every facet of our being experiences salvation. We think it's just an insurance policy that we're not going to go to hell. It's all encompassing. Are you listening? For you to separate the the idea of salvation and make it only for your eternal destination is going against scripture. Healing is included in that salvation. Deliverance from oppression and depression and all the effects of the kingdom of darkness is included in that salvation. Rescue from poverty is included in that salvation. Because you see, the sozo carries the idea of being made whole. Well, if I'm going to heaven, that's great. But if I can't pay my bills and feed my family and have a house to live in here, I'm suffering lack. You listening? I didn't want to go this deep, but all right. So the Bible uses the word salvation to refer to being saved from an eternity separated from God. Obviously saved from a place of torment. The place of, a place of suffering, okay? The Bible refers to it as hell. All right, might as well throw it out there. A lot of people don't like to talk about it, but that's the primary reason. We're saved from an eternity in hell. Amen. But you see, most people, the majority of people, they don't say the prayer to receive Christ and then die the next moment. The majority of people say their prayer, receive Christ, you receive salvation, you receive sozo. So that you live life on earth in a different capacity, a different quality. Are you, are you hearing me? Yes. All right, good, good. You guys are getting it, so I can move quicker. Acts 16. We get to Acts chapter 16, and Paul and Silas were arrested for preaching the gospel and setting a young girl free from demonic possession. For that wonderful work of deliverance, they were beaten and imprisoned in the worst part of the jail. Many of you know the story. Then something supernatural took place that, that could only set them free. But not only set them free, but changed the life of the jailer who was in charge of this facility. Acts 16, 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I mean, that's, a, that's a message right there. Because midnight's the darkest part of your problem. Midnight's the worst part of the situation that you're going through. And that's the most effective time for you to start praising God. A couple of people got it. It's in the middle of your worst circumstance that you need to lift your hands up and start worshiping God. Okay? And suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Why? Because according to Roman law, if he allows one of them to escape, it's his life for their life. So he's not going to wait for them to come and chop his head off. He's going to take the sword and do himself in, okay? Paul shouts, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Question of the lifetime. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved, you and your household. Now, can I clear something up here real quick? Because I've heard Christians quote this. So I, I'm not concerned about my, my family. I'm not concerned about my parents. I'm not concerned about my, 
kids, not concerned about my loved ones. You know, because uh, Acts chapter 16 says, if I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I will be saved in my household. But it doesn't stop there. Because when, when Paul and Silas are brought to the jailer's house, he preaches the gospel to them, and then they are saved. God don't have any grandchildren. He only has children. Turn to somebody and say that. God doesn't have any grandchildren. So every generation has got to receive Christ for themselves. Amen? So that means every generation has to hear the gospel. All right, good. You're helping me tonight. You're helping me move along quick. So the the jailer and his family experienced salvation. They're saved. Saved from what? Saved from wrath. Saved from the anger of God. Saved from the punishment that we deserve. Because God the Father took all the punishment that you and I deserved. All of the wrath of God. The anger. A righteous anger. And put it upon his son. So that you and I would not have to endure that. Are you under, that's why when people say, well, how, come, how could you say Jesus is the only way? Because Jesus is the only one that took all that punishment. Amen. Nobody else has. Amen. Nobody else can. Amen. You're listening. Yes. There is only one way. Yes. Are you catching this? Yes. There is only one way. Amen. So we're safe from that wrath. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? You catch that? Since we've already been justified by his blood, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about the judgment of God. I'm not worried about that. Why? Because he took that and put it on Jesus. Now, there is a judgment to come on the world, but that doesn't come on his children. It doesn't come on the ones that have received Christ already. Are you catching this? Understand that, because there's many people that are making a lot of money selling books talking about God's judgment on the church. Now, don't mix up sowing and reaping with judgment. Now, you can sow for problems, and guess what comes up? Problems. All right, let me move on here. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, Here it is again. But to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now I belonged to a church and was born into a church and was baptized into a church who taught me that when I died, I'm most likely going to go to this holding tank (laughs) where I'm going to have to suffer for a little while. And once I've suffered enough, then I graduate from the holding tank to heaven. then why did Jesus go to the cross and suffer? If I'm going to suffer anyway, if I was Jesus, I'd go to God and go, I got a bum deal here. Because I thought I was going on behalf of these people. Now you're still going to punish them even though I took their punishment. You you see what I'm talking about? It, It just doesn't go. It doesn't match God's nature. And it doesn't match the scriptures. All right. Why do we believe in Jesus as our Savior? Because only God can remove sin and deliver us from sin, sin's penalty. First, First Timothy 2, verse 5. For there is, why don't you read this with me? This is one of them scriptures we all want to say together. Ready? One, two, three. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who, get, look it, who gave, go ahead, come on, come on, 
who gave himself as a ransom for all people that has now been witnessed till at a proper time. Paul's saying, and we've seen this, it's happening now. It's happened in his time. And some of the people that may have read this letter may have been there and, and saw Jesus in person. They might have been there when he was crucified. They might have been one of the ones that saw him resurrected. God rescued us through Christ. It was Jesus' death on the cross and his subsequent resurrection that achieved our salvation. It's not your good works. It's not you coming to church. It's not you flipping beads. It's not you lighting candles. It's not you. It's not you. Watch, watch. It's not you giving out 10 boxes of food for Thanksgiving. We do that because we are saved. We don't do that to become saved. We don't go to heaven because we pray long. We pray long because we're going to heaven. You catching this? Those good deeds are the result of our salvation. They are not a way to attain salvation. Every major religion has got some kind of list of do this, do this, do this, do this, and maybe you'll get in. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. Then go forth and do the good works. Why? So that our Father in heaven will be glorified. Amen? We believe God this Thanksgiving season. Hundreds and hundreds of families are going to begin to glorify God because you took it upon yourself to get one of those boxes of food that we're going to have available and one of those turkeys, and you make a personal trip to that person's house or to your coworker or family member, neighbor down the street, and you say, here, I want to bless you. I want to bless you. God loves you. Just take this. Be blessed. Enjoy it with your family. You, you see the difference? Yeah. That where, where there's groups that say, well, you need to go to, make sure you go to so many houses every Saturday because if you don't go to all those houses every Saturday, you might not be one of the 144,000 and you might not go to heaven. Yeah. Big difference. Yeah. Turn to somebody and say, big difference. Yeah. You can't earn this salvation. You can only receive it. Yeah. Amen? Amen? God did not send Jesus to, to the earth to condemn the human race, but to save it. He did not send us he did, God did not send Jesus to earth to just teach us another religion. Another way of trying to appease an angry God. That's idolatry. So God's plan for salvation is communicated through the scriptures. Only through the scriptures. We see a common thread, a solid path that when we believed will lead us to the foot of the cross and to salvation. Some people call this, and some of you are going to recognize this phrase I'm going to use. Some people call this portion of scriptures put together the Roman road to salvation. How many are familiar with that term? How many are familiar with the term Roman road? Let me see your hands. You probably, you probably grew up in a Baptist church. No, huh? Good. Good, because that's very, very, very um, famous in, in the evangelical Baptist church, right? Am I right, Erica? You know what I'm talking about. And it has, it has nothing to do with the city of Rome, but it has all to do with the book of Romans. Written by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So the Roman Road of Salvation is a collection of verses from the New Testament, the book of Romans, that clearly explain God's salvation plan step by step on a step by step path. It's easy for us to see the truth about salvation through these scriptures. Let me move through them very quick because our time is, is just flying away tonight. Don't turn around, look at the clock. I saw some of you doing it already. 
Number one, the first portion of these scriptures addresses the human problem. Romans 3.10, an NIV translation. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23, New Living Translation. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Every one of us. Every one of us. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Christ Jesus our Lord. So the first part of the Roman road confirms the state of every human being as sinful, and God is holy. Sinful, and God is holy. This is, a, this is a tough one for some people to swallow. Because the fact of the matter is, there are some people that are very moral, very well disciplined, lead a good life, but have never received Christ. And that's a tough one. And imagine the nightmare of a person who's gone through all that in life and tried to live a good life and try to be good to people and, and treat people with respect and dignity, but nah, Jesus stuff is not for me. Imagine the nightmare then when the last breath is taken by that good person and they up and end up in a place where they never would have believed. And it's all because of a misunderstanding of Scripture. None of us measure up. Well, Pastor, I'm a good person. I've never done this and everything. Yeah, you're probably a much better person than I am. I agree with you. You probably are. You're probably one of the better people here tonight. But measure you up against Jesus. We got a problem. The fact is we were all born with a sin nature. The church I grew up in, we called it original sin. Same thing. It's just sin nature. In other words, it's very natural for us as humans to sin. It's very natural for us to miss the mark, which is what sin means in the original language, to miss the mark. It doesn't, you don't need to go to a class to learn how to... to a, a child does not need to go to a special class to learn how to refuse to obey. <laughs> a child does not need to go to a special class to learn how to lie. When they get older, they don't need to go to after-school special class to learn how to rebel. It just comes natural because it's, it's, it's a byproduct of sin nature. We don't need to be taught to be selfish, self-centered. It's inbred in us as a result of, of sin. And again, somebody's saying within their heart, but I'm basically a good person, better than most. But when we compare ourselves to the holiness of God, when we compare ourselves, if we could, to the selflessness that Jesus displayed on the earth, we're not going to make it. So, so the next part of the Romans road is humanity's hope in Christ. The second part of that further explains the hope that we have because of the love of God. Remember, we just read this, Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The love that God claims to have for us was proven at the cross. And sometimes we're tempted to think, I wish God would show me that he really loves me. All you got to do is look at the cross. Because he didn't have to go. You realize this. You know, Jesus 
100% man, 100% God, had a will of his own. In fact, the whole scenario of the Garden of Gethsemane is about just that. His human side, his human nature has a will. And he could have turned away and refused to go to the cross. In fact, he had an opportunity a little while before he got to Gethsemane when he went up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He already stepped into heaven. How do we know? Because Moses and Elijah are there. He could have stayed there. I'm convinced that the conversation that they have between them is, is, is Jesus telling them, I can't stay. I've got to go back down there. But you read it in context. It's right after that he says he set his face for Jerusalem. He knew, I can't. I could stay here if I want to and avoid the cross. But they need me. So he came right back down that mountain came right back into this physical realm in order for him to give himself at the cross. Talk about a demonstration of love. The only hope we ever have of spending eternity with God is only found in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Again, you might have seen a post that I put today on Facebook. God did not send Jesus into the world to point out our sin in order to send us to hell. He didn't send him here as a prosecutor, but to point out his love in order to save us from hell. Jesus came. Now, he asked a question, he asked a question. They're outside in the lobby. If I was to come out there, he asked a question to anyone. Why did Jesus come to the earth? Well, he came to the earth to die on the cross for our sins. That's partially true. But he could have done that the first day he arrived. The fact is, he spent three and a half years revealing the nature of the Father first, and then he went to the cross. If he hadn't done that, we could be saved, but we'd be saved unto a Father in heaven that we would know nothing about. Jesus came primarily, or I should say, in the order of priorities, Jesus came to reveal the Father. Remember, he said, I only say what the Father says, I only do what the Father does. He constantly taught parables about how the Father is. In fact, the parable that we, you know, we love and everybody cries over the prodigal son is really not about the man and his son. He's talking about his father in heaven. Amen. You read it in context. He's talking about what it's like in heaven. Okay? Are you listening? Yes. Number three, once we receive this information, what is the response? The sinner's response. Romans chapter 10. Verse 9 and 10 in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Once we understand our need for a Savior and recognize that Jesus Christ is that Savior, we can respond by moving along to the third part of this Romans road, this path, and that is calling out to Jesus. Romans 10, 9. For if you declare with your mouth, some, some translations say, if you confess with your mouth, confess means the same, the same, same, the same, as. What did I say? To say the same as. For me to confess, if I'm confessing something, if I'm, I'm confessed with my words, I am declaring what I believe in my heart by the words of my mouth. Amen. You see why it's so important? If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with the mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. This should settle it. You got the opportunity tonight to settle this forever. 
Because, you know, sometimes you talk to people, how long you've been a Christian? Oh, I, I've been born this way. <laughs> you've been born, but at some point, Jesus said you must be born again. And that's born spiritually. So this response is poss possible for everyone. Romans 10, 13 says, um, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone. Everyone. But what about that, that, that prostitute? What about that drug dealer? What about that filthy degenerate? What about that murderer? What about that serial killer? What about whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved? I remember many years ago when the church first started, I was a few years out of Bible school, and this question kept nagging at me. Is everyone that calls on Jesus, is everyone that declares the name of Jesus going to be saved? Is every person going to be saved? Is every person, when Christ comes, is every person going to just go, is, is everyone going to be received? And there was, a, there was a, a conference taking place at the Bible school that we attended out in Tulsa. And the primary reason I wanted to drive all the way out there was just believing God that I was going to get my answer once and for all. And I swear to you as I'm standing here, the very first night of that minister's conference, Brother Kenneth Hagin, the founder of that school, who was still alive back then, walked out after the praise and worship, walked up to the podium, grabbed the microphone and said, the Spirit of God told me that there's some people that have some questions about whether a person's saved or not and answered the whole thing. And I, so I could enjoy the rest of the conference for the rest of the week. <laughs> Just like that. Just it settled it. The Bible, he said, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Shall be saved. Because it's with the heart man believes, and it's with the mouth that confession is made. Amen. We go into our human mode, and we want to start, yeah, but, but you know, I didn't see any change in their life. And how much you pay attention to you if you're paying attention that much to that person? How about looking at yourself? How about looking in the mirror? Yeah. Turn to somebody and say, you got a mirror at home? <laughs> so it's our declaration of faith in Christ that saves us. It's not our good deeds. It's not our sacrifices. It's not the church attendance. It's not giving away all that we have. It's just pure and simple admission. Yes, I believe in Jesus Amen. Christ. Number four, the last part of this Roman road, the result of salvation. Roman, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace. We have peace. I'll never forget the night that I got born again. I'll never forget the night that I stood in front of a church and, and said that prayer. I think I was the only one that night that responded. I felt like the weight of a million pounds got lifted off of my shoulders. Cried for the next six months every time I went to church. Scared my wife. She thought her husband was losing it. The people around me would tell me, that's okay, you're on rinse cycle. <laughs> Therefore, since you have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Can you make it any clearer? Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. 
undeserved. Where we now stand, and we are confidently and joyfully looking forward to sharing God's glory. This fourth part of the Romans road, this, this, these set of scriptures, mentions two results. Peace and justification. After a sinner decides to declare and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 explains that through the faith in Jesus Christ, a sinner, a person who is still in sin nature, can enjoy peace with God, no longer separated by holy God, from a holy God by sin. So important. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Before faith in, in Christ, we who are sinners are condemned and destined for death. But now with faith in Christ, there is no condemnation. Believers are gifted with eternal life with God. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. And let me remind you again that therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You listening? Amen. At this point, having walked through all these scriptures, having walked through the progression from step one down to step four, every person in this room tonight has received the evidence that you need to make a decision. Amen. Do you understand now the depth of the love of God that he has for you? Do you understand the mechanics? Because we, we want to know how something works. How's it going to happen? How can it possibly be? They mean tell me, well, all I need to do is say, and, and it's just boom like this. No, well, it's not magic. You see, the place in your very being where decisions are made, the Bible refers to as the heart. It's, it's the main part of your, your, your will, your, your, your place of emotions, your place of decision-making. This, this is the government of, of the very being who you are. And once that place receives this information, you start processing. And the Holy Spirit comes along and starts opening your eyes to the scriptures to reveal Jesus to you. Your next step should be, I believe, because the word of God has the power of God. Romans chapter 1, verse 15, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. For it is it, the gospel is the power of God unto what? Salvation. But inevitably, there's going to be people, when you minister these scriptures, when you share these, that are going to have some reason to reject or to resist or pray. When you're going to, some of you, some of you, as you've been sitting here, God's been showing you the face of someone that you need to go share this with. Make sure that you pray first. Pray for the person's heart to be open. Pray for any obstacles that have been placed in this person's path to be removed by the Holy Spirit. Because when a person rejects the power of these scriptures, the, 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 the clarity of these scriptures, we're told that the God of this world comes to blind the minds of the unbelievers. Now, that doesn't mean their, their fate is sealed. 
but it means that you have to pray a different way for your friend who's heard the gospel but rejected it. Because to reject the gospel is to accept, accept spiritual blindness. It's, it's just a principle. So, And you know who the people are in your life who've heard but rejected. And, and you may have been one of those at one time. I was. I can think of two major events in my life where I heard and I turned away from it. Thank God the third time. Okay? But I, I could remember back then that my personality became darker and darker every time I rejected because of the blindness. You listening? So, so pray for those that you want to share salvation with. You listening? Now, here's what we're going to do because we're going to wrap this up. Everybody stand up. I want to make available to you tonight a way for you to settle this issue once and for all. Now, for some of you, this is a night of rededicating yourself. You may have said this prayer in the past, but distance has come between you and the reality of who Jesus is in your life. Doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. Doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. It means you cluttered your life. And it's hard to hear him, it's hard to see him, it's hard to feel him. And so tonight is your night to rededicate your life to the Lord in a fresh way. For others, this is going to be the first time you pray this prayer. And I say that with all confidence because I have made available to you through the scriptures all the truth that you need to make a decision whether Jesus is who he says he is. So here's what I'm going to ask you. Do you want to receive Christ tonight? Do you want to receive Jesus tonight? Do you want to walk out these doors tonight knowing that if God forbid you were to take your last breath tonight, you would find yourself immediately in his presence? Do you want to rededicate your life in a very fresh way? Like refiring yourself, starting that fire again on the inside. If that's what you want, listen to me. Look at me. Look at me. You don't have to close your eyes. Get out of your seat and come up here right now. We're going to pray together. It always takes the one. <laughs> Hallelujah. Giving you an opportunity to settle this once and for all. Don't, don't look around. When you, when you die and you stand before the Lord, there's not going to be anybody around for you to look at. Should I go? In fact, turn to somebody. Turn to the person next to you and say, if you want to go, I'll come with you. I mean it. I mean it. Could you, could you move up more, please? Come on, this is your opportunity to, to, to rededicate yourself. This is your opportunity to experience salvation, life from God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, we got a whole string coming up. Anybody else, please, please listen to me. I'm going to give you the illustration I've been giving for years. About 10 years ago, we had Easter service at the Brick Township High School. The place was packed. Six, over 600 seats. Place is packed. I gave a message. At the end of the message, gave an invitation just like I did to you today. And the Lord wouldn't let me stop. Four or five times I gave an invitation to people. Please, if you know that the Lord's dealing with you, don't stay at your seat. Come up here. Please, please come up here. 
People kept coming. But finally, finally, I'm like, oh, I got to move on here. Lord, you know, time's going by. People get restless. They want to go home and eat their leg of lamb, you know. <laughs> and I, one more time, went to, it was like the Lord said, do it one more time, one more time. One more time, I get the invitation, and a young man in his late 30s, early 40s, ran down from the very back row, down that auditorium to the front in tears, gave his life to Christ. The following Saturday, he died. Now, I don't say that to scare you. I say that to raise your level of awareness. You and I are not guaranteed tomorrow. This has to be settled now. Can you move up, please? Can you move up, please? Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm not looking for trophies. I'm not looking for numbers. All right. Those of you that are in your seats, pray for these individuals up here under your breath, okay? Every one of you that are up here, I want you to raise one hand up to the Lord. Doesn't matter which one. There's nothing magical about it. Just one hand up. I want you to say this out loud with me. Father, I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross, paid for my sin, and I believe you raised him from the dead. And he's seated in heaven right now with you. And he hears my prayer. So Jesus, I invite you. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for making me a child of God. My sins are forgiven. If I were to take my last breath this night, I believe According to the scriptures, I would be immediately in your presence. Father, ignite a fire in me. Fill me to overflowing with your spirit that I may serve you all the days of my life in righteousness and holiness without any fear, without any intimidation. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace on my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for every single person that responded here tonight. Father, I pray that they would experience the reality of their salvation immediately. Father, that they would begin to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit very clear. That they would begin to perceive your presence in their lives and your hand upon them, Father. Father, for those that rededicated themselves tonight, I remind them there is therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Father, and your word goes on to say, who live according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. And so, Father, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit to rise up mightily on the inside of every one of us, Father, so that we'd be able to resist sin, we'd be able to resist the temptation that comes, Father, that we would, we would walk holy before you by the power of your Spirit, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. We bless you tonight, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you that the enemy no longer can torment these ones. No longer that the peace of God that passes all understanding 
is going to guard their hearts and guard their minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen? And listen, all of you that are up here, do not move. We, have, we want to make sure that you have a Bible. We want to make sure that you get some booklets. We want to make sure that you get the materials you need. Amen? So there's people that are coming up right now. They're going to, going to be here for you. If you have any questions, you need prayer for anything else further, just stay here. The rest of you, God bless you. You're dismissed. Amen? Been a good night? Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.